0: Each year as we kick into our, you know, beginning of the year series of messages, my hope is that that the series sets the tone kind of for the rest of the year. Um, and the tone that I'm hoping we set for the year 2018 is that We're to do our lives very intentionally, whether body, soul, or spirit. We're to live them very intentionally. And for sure, we're to have an intentionality in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, intentionality implies a couple of things. First of all, it implies that you own your own spiritual development. You are responsible for who you are becoming in Jesus to some degree. Now, when, I, when I, I qualify that only to say this it's not about trying really hard. It's about being willing to depend intentionally on the Holy Spirit to empower you. And it's also about being intentional in training and equipping so that you become tomorrow what you are not yet today, okay? Training is really different from just trying harder. I, I, I can go try to lift, say, 300 pounds. I'll never be able to do that. But perhaps by training over the course of a couple years, I could get to do that, amen? But you can't just become something because you try really hard. You become something because you train for it. And so you have to be intentionally training in the things of Jesus so that you become tomorrow, which you are not yet uh, today. Um, Can't be done for you. Can't be done to you. You have to do this. It's my one-year anniversary, so to speak, since I had heart stents put in. And I remember at this time last year, after having that, uh, that surgery, that I, I, I talked to Pastor Isaac Smith, who at that time was our district superintendent, one evening for about two hours on what I was going through. Now, Pastor Isaac had had open-heart surgery two years prior to this. And so he was talking about some of the things you have to take serious, and I remember him telling me, Steve, you have to become a one percenter. And and, and, and he went on to explain that his heart surgeon had told them that only one percent of his patients actually do what they're supposed to do after having this procedure, whether it be stents put in or heart surgery or whatever, whether the, these are the ones that actually change their diet, exercise regularly, and then begin to truly, truly manage stress. And I remember Isaac talking to me about that, and I thought, I am going to be a one percenter. I'm actually going to do it. So I go back to my uh, appointment here last week for the follow-up, and the nurse practitioner who did the follow-up said, she used this language now. Take this right. She called me a star. I'm not a star. I just did what they told me to do. And I said, what's the big deal about this? I really said that to her. She said, walk out into the, the, the welcome area and just look around. Oh. And I looked at all the patients. I said, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. One percenter. We need to be one percenters when it comes to health, Isaac said. Now listen, when it comes to our walk in the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what we need to be? What do we need to be? One percenters. We need to actually know what Jesus says, take it to heart, and then what? Do it. Live it out. Put it into practice. Change how we act and behave. We need to become one percenters. We need to own our spiritual Development. So that's the first part of intentionality. The second part of intentionality implies that you embrace and own the mission and mandate of Jesus. And this mandate is for you and I not only to be concerned about our own well-being, our own soul's well-being, but to be concerned about the, the well-being of those souls around us, to be others-oriented, to be service-minded. The Great Commission gets after this mandate. Listen to uh, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So you and I I are mandated by the Lord Jesus to be intentional about bringing His kingdom bear on whatever situation we're in. I call this being 167 people last week. Now we have 168 hours in a week. We spend an hour here together, don't we? And maybe if you're spiritual, you come to a small group and you do a Bible study, maybe another hour or two a week, right, with other people. But there's a majority of your week that, that you have to begin to Be intentionally following Jesus in. Really live for Jesus. We should on purpose love and serve and encourage and pray and be generous and and be patient um, as we have opportunities in that 167 as, as in regard to other folk, amen? We should be intentional that way. And of course, brothers and sisters, it's okay to have some fun. You can show the joy of the Lord out there. That's okay, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And people need to see Christians actually enjoying life. Amen? You can do that. That's good. So what, what I, when I look at intentionality, first of all, I own my own spiritual development. Secondly, I take the mandate of Jesus Christ seriously. And where do you begin? Well, you begin in proximity to you. You begin by doing it where you are. Proximity just means nearness in time, space, relationship. So you can become intentional where you are with those near to you in in your time and space and your relationships. You become intentional while having a godly influence on people around you and on issues that are going on that, that affect you, that are in your proximity. The big thought I'm zeroing in on this morning when it comes to this message is simply this. Intentionally bring Jesus to people in situations of proximity to you. Just intentionally do that. Just be doing it on purpose. The Apostle Paul is a great example of doing this very thing. Now, he was in Berea, but because of persecution, the Apostle Paul fled over to Athens. And he ends up in Athens. And his story there is one of a great example of just being intentional in proximity to you. I'm going to pull a couple of practical Practical insights out of his story for you this morning. But this whole idea of intentionality, it begins in proximity. It begins with those near to you in time and space and relationships. Um, and after I share some thoughts on this, Pastor Aaron's going to come up and talk on intentional discipleship. That's this brochure in, 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 your, in your bulletins. And uh, I'm excited about the whole morning and what it means and how uh, its implications to us. But listen, none of this will do us a lick of good if we don't own it. If we don't really do it. It won't do us a lick of good. Can't be done to you, can't be done for you. You have to own this whole thing called spiritual formation and of course a mandate of serving others. Listen to what happened to the Apostle Paul then in Athens. It's found in Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 32. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the area of and where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way. You are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. So here we have this example of Paul and the Athenians. Paul finds himself in Athens, and in this proximity, he was super intentional. Do you see that? He was super intentional. First of all, Paul was aware of what was going on, and he cared. He was aware about their ignorance of God and their idol worship. He was aware of all that, and he cared about them. This last fall, we went through the series entitled The Remnant, And the reason we went through this remnant series was this to become aware of the culture we find ourselves in and to care about it, to be able to talk to it in a relevant way. People of God, listen to me. Oftentimes, intentionality is just merely being aware, looking around, and seeing and caring. It's that simple. And we can't long to be in different times than we find ourselves in. We can't long for the good old days, whatever they were. We can't wish we were someplace else. We've got to quit trying uh, to escape. We have to ask God, okay, God, I'm in a time such as this. How then do you want me to interact with the people I find around me and the situations I'm involved with? Help me to be intentionally bringing Jesus to those situations. Do you remember the old Crosby skills and Nash song entitled Love the one you're with. Anybody know that old song? I'm in the old song kick right now. Just, and I'm not going to sing this one for you. And some of you are going, "Praise God." Um, but basic, basically, the song was about this. Uh, the 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 singer was saying, "I can't be with the one I'm uh, I love, so I'm going to love the one I'm with." <laughs> kind of a terrible song, if you think about. It, you're the one that he's with. Wow, I'm like your not your top choice here, but there's there's this merit to this song, and this goes along with what Paul's saying: Love the ones you're with. Love where you're at. Care about those that are around you. Care about the situations that you're involved with. Begin to, on purpose, ask God to grace you to love this way. Love the ones you're with. Don't try to escape from situations. Don't wish you were you know part of a, another family or something don't wish you were in a different neighborhood or a different career or a different job begin to ask god to grace you to care about those around you be aware of what's going on in their lives and love them so here's a question for you what and who is in the proximity of your life that you need to be aware of and care about now the intentionality of Paul continues with the Athenians. Let me give you point number two. Paul spoke to the Athenians from their vantage point. He used language that they would understand. His interaction with them was tailored to meet them where they were at. I love how Paul was a student of Athens right away, he's looking around, he's observing what's going on, and he observed what they they seemed to be about, and he spoke to them in a way that they understood. He spoke from their vantage point. He used that as a starting point of meaningful interaction with them. He was just so intentional about his interaction with the Athenians. Watch this video. It gets after something that we may need to learn for our day and age.
1: Christian, I understand that I've been taught a specific set of terminology that is not understandable. I'm gonna bring some of these terms to my friends here and see if they know if they can guess what we're talking about. What is happening when someone is being washed in the blood? That's that's horrifying. (laughs) Does the water represent? Okay. Blood in a baptism? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure. When you're drunk on wine.
0: Yeah, maybe like abs- absolved of sin. I don't know, washed in the blood, that's totally contradictory. I mean, you can't wash something in blood. Baptism. Uh, kind of. We got kind of!
1: <laughs> wash clean, washed in the blood, because his sacrifice he made for us, it makes us clean. If you look at someone and you're not seeing the fruit, what has happened? Why, why wouldn't you see a fruit? or maybe they, have, they don't have enough fruit, fruit yeah. then they're a bad egg. Yeah. Oh. Oh. They have
0: no God. Fruit of the spirit
1: in Galatians is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and
0: self-control. So if you claim to be a Christian and you're murdering someone. You ain't got no fruit. <laughs> right, is that right? <laughs> Are you aware of this? How easily we fall into Christianese and speak language that maybe the average person has no idea what we're saying anymore. Think that way resist the temptation to speak in language that you're familiar with that nobody else knows around you and and begin to try to see things from their vantage point and enter into their world a little bit and explain things. That's what Paul did here. He was so intentional. And then our last point here is simply this. Paul worked towards clarity of who Jesus is. With his whole interaction um, with the Athenians, he worked towards clarity of who Jesus is. He began by his awareness of the culture, and caring about them. He, he interacted by, by talking to them from their vantage point and coming at it from an angle he hoped that they would get. But he worked towards what? Clarity of who Christ is. Clarity of who God is. Did you notice that in this? He was constantly working towards that. And, and, and so as we have intentionality with those around us in whatever situation we find, we have to always work towards what? Clarity in Christ. Clarity in Christ. It has to be uh, you know, almost dogmatically pursued on our part in a way, you know, that makes sense, okay? So, so Paul was just very, 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 very intentional. So our key perspective here for this message this morning is simply this, be intentional in Jesus. Does it sound a little redundant from last week? Yes, on purpose. Be intentional in Jesus. Now I just want to talk to you for a couple moments before Pastor Aaron comes up and shares. God has graced every single person in here, I'm convinced of this, with unique proximity, You have a unique set of friends, a unique work situation, unique family, you're unique in time and space and relationship, and you have to begin to become intentional in that area that God has given you. You have to do it very much on purpose. I've watched some of our own folks do this, and and guess what else you have? You have experiences that nobody else has that God may want to use. So, I watched here over the last couple of years some folk in our own midst put into practice some things that is unique to them. For instance, Becky Brecht, and Scott Munsterman have been doing a cancer care group. And uh, it's just unbelievable to see the amount of people that come on a Monday night here every now and then and participate in that, how meaningful it is. And then uh, uh, Serenity Miller just started a a care group that's dealing with anxiety and depression and and some of those kinds of things that so many in our culture you know, are facing as well as in the church. You know, you have unique experiences. Is God asking you to use those, and how is he asking you to use those? Uh, for five years at 3 I I had the privilege of having a, um, a great relationship with my boss, who was really a mentor to me. I, I was down there in Knoxville, Iowa, and Ron was a very outspoken Christian, and I was receptive to his mentorship. You remember last week I talked about looking for those who are receptive around you? And Ron poured into me for years, and he talked a lot with me about how to do life and work. It was very organic, but yet intentional. It was life on life. We didn't have a, quote, Bible study. We didn't get a star in our attendance booklet or something like that. We just did life together. And I remember complaining at times about things that would go on, and he'd go, Is that glorifying to Jesus right now? And I said, no. He goes, well, then stop it. One time I got passed over for emotion, and I remember just whining about it, and he said, do you work for the Lord, or do you work for human authorities? And I said, well, I I know the right answer here, Ron. He said, well, then quit being a baby. You need someone that do life and life with you like that. Maybe God is calling you to do life and life like that with someone else. So... What I've talked about with you this morning is like the 167 part of our life. Pastor Aaron's going to talk to you now about spiritual formation and some other things here. Uh, Eventually he's going to show a diagram. I've talked about the far right of that diagram, just for your information. The green squares, that'll make sense for you in a moment.
1: So a large part of this question of proximity is is really about being on mission, right? Steve read this at the beginning out of Matthew 28, that our mission is, is to be a people who go into all the world and make disciples, who make fellow followers of Jesus Christ. And so really I think to understand how to be on mission and to be intentional in proximity the way Steve is is calling us to be, we have to go back to something that he said last week. Uh, He talked about how we need to have this shift from being consumers to being contributors. And I think this is a really important shift for us to understand. When you start in a consumer mentality, this is an individual mindset. And an individual mindset is all about my preferences, it's about what I want, it's about what's in it for me. And a core question of someone in their spiritual development who's operating from a consumer mindset is how am I being fed? And and a person who's asking this question is really asking who's pouring into me, who's developing me, who's mentoring me? Now, when we make this shift from consumer to contributor, part of what you realize is that it's not just an individual endeavor. You realize that you are part of a community. You are part of something bigger than yourselves. You are part of this body of Christ, this connection of people coming together to dwell in unity. Also, what's fundamental here in this shift from asking the question, am I being fed? You now ask this new question of who am I feeding? And the fundamental difference here is it's not just about who is pouring into you, but now the question is raised, whose life am I investing in? Whose life am I pouring into in the midst of this process? Now, the question that I hope we're asking is, is how do we make this shift from consumer to contributor? In part, the easy answer is that God's grace transforms us, but there's a really crucial component to this that we have to do, and Steve has said this already a couple of times, we have to own the process. Now, imagine that you were going to try to get really physically fit, and you hired a dietitian and you hired a personal trainer, and they tell you, okay, you need to not eat these things, and you need to eat these things, you need to work out with this intensity at this many times a week, say, this is great, you go home, pop open the bag of chips, sit on the couch, watch TV, and you wonder, why am I not getting more fit? What's wrong with me? Well, the obvious answer is what? You never owned the process, right? So to own the process means to implement what you already know. I think for most of us believers, the problem isn't what we know. The problem is living out what we already know. So if we're gonna own the process, and this, this is the first application question. Are you willing to own your own process of your spiritual development? Now, I think there, there's two components to owning our spiritual development. There is a vertical component in our relationship with God and so, what it means to own our spiritual development is to open our lives to Jesus. This is the second application question Are you willing to open your life to Jesus? And what we mean by opening our life to Jesus is it means that we're a people of prayer, we're a people of the Word, we're a people who regularly gather in corporate worship. These are places where God has promised to meet His people, and they're they're means through which God works in the life of a believer. And what happens is as you open your life to Jesus, He begins to transform your life from the inside out. And what happens is this this horizontal component of your life begins to change. As Jesus transforms your life, you now begin to want to offer your life in service to other people. Or in the language that Steve used, you're aware and you care, but as you open your life to Jesus, he gives you new eyes to see, and suddenly you're aware of the spiritual lives and well-being of people in a way that you never were before. Notice how when Paul went to Athens, it says he was deeply disturbed at the spiritual state of that place. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you were deeply disturbed at the spiritual realities of people and places around you? When was the last time you walked into your workplace and said, I am burdened that the people that I work with every day would know Jesus? Now, we might say someone who owns this process, we would call this person a disciple, This is someone who is following after Jesus. They're seeking to become like him. Now, the problem is if we stop here, we're still not being obedient yet. What was the Great Commission? The Great Commission is not just to be disciples. The Great Commission is to be a contributor. This is to be a disciple maker. We are to be pouring into the lives of other people, helping them become mature followers of Jesus Christ. We are to offer ourselves, our lives, and contribute into the spiritual health and well-being of another who starts here, and as we invest in them, and as Christ transforms them, as they open their life to him, they too become a disciple who makes disciples. Now, there's probably two questions that I hope we're asking. Number one is, it's easy for me to stand up here and say, well, you should own your faith, and I should own my faith. The question is, how do I actually do this? tangibly, practically. The second question is, now how do I actually offer my life to this person? I don't know what to do. I don't know where to begin. How do I start in all of this? So I want to put up on the screen a a diagram of our spiritual formation process. I want to walk through this and talk about how this intentional discipleship booklet gets at some of what we're talking about. So go ahead and throw that up on the screen if you would, please. So this is something that you're aware of as you sign up for growth groups. You catch glimpses of this, but we wanted to, to paint this out for you in, in full view so you can understand when we talk discipleship and spiritual formation, what we mean here at Grace Point. And one of the things that we're in the process of, of developing and finalizing is this discipleship pipeline. Rather than just doing, say, a one-day membership class, we want to have a four- to five-week class where we have the opportunity to lay a foundational understanding of the Christian faith. What is it that we believe? What is it that we're pushing into? How has God called us to live? How do I own my own faith? We want to give you in that discipleship pipeline some tangible things to say, here's what it looks like to pray. Here's what it looks like to be in the word. Now, after that discipleship pipeline, you've probably noticed that we have seminars regularly. We just had Mark Gunger in not too long ago. Uh, Just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Steve and John Sprang, they presented a seminar on how to protect our youth in a digital age. Last spring, we had a, a conference on how to parent. And so what's happening is we want to provide these opportunities where you engage expert teaching on core issues that are sometimes just tangible parts of life. How do I do finances? But we also want to provide the seminar teaching on things like how to study God's word, how, how, what's basic theology, what's Christian understanding. From there, then, we have small groups. And seminars focus on teaching and on information, and a seminar environment might be anywhere from 50 to, to 500 people. Small groups are a smaller, more focused environment. These might be groups of 10 to 15, maybe 20 people. And rather than the focus on the, transformation of, uh, the transference of information, there's a focus here on relationship and on dialogue. It's discussing, okay, this was said in the message, how do we live this out? Okay, here's what I struggle with. And in that, the tension of that dialogue, there's this push and challenging each other on towards, towards faith. Now, part of what I want you to notice is across the bottom, there's this movement as we move from left to right from information and skills and what I call high control. And what this means is we're going to dictate to you some curriculum. There's things as a pastoral staff, as a church, that we believe that you need to know. Who is Jesus? What has he done for us? Those are core Christian things. There's also, in the midst of teaching that, there's going to be some information and skills we want you to know. Now, as you move left to right, what happens is you shift from information, things I'm learning, towards formation and practice. This means there's a shift from what I'm learning towards what I'm doing. There's some things that I'm implementing and owning. There's also a shift from high control to high autonomy. In other words, as you move into that intentional discipleship community that I'm going to talk about in a second, you are owning this and you are pushing into it. And you are becoming a disciple who makes disciples. So what is this? I want you to take a look at this and think about what, how this might impact your families, how this might impact the places where you work. If you look on page seven, it walks through a sample outline of how you might engage this with somebody. So let's just imagine you decide to do this with your family. Imagine that once a week, you, you decide that you're going to have this discipleship moment with your family. And you sit down and you ask your kids and you ask your spouse this question of, hey, how, how's your, your heart in this season of life? What is God teaching you right now? What is God shaping you? What are questions that you have about your spiritual growth right now? And then as a family, you decide that you're going to take a biblical passage and you're going to look at it together. And Let's say you decide to look at Philippians 2, where Paul says things like, look not only to your own interest, but to the interests of others. And so as a family, you sit down and you say, okay, what do you notice about this passage? How do, how do we apply this together? And then you pick a spiritual discipline and an accountability question. And and maybe your discipline this month is, we're going to focus as a family on generosity. We read in Philippians 2 about looking to the interests of others. Now let's be generous. Let's actually look at the interests of others. And then you have an accountability question and say, okay, next week when we sit down again, we're going to ask this question, were you aware of the needs of other people? Or, or imagine that you were like Steve's boss at 3M and you take a moment to intentionally invest in someone that you work with. What would it look like to sit down and ask about their heart condition in Jesus Christ to ask them an accountability question and to pour into them? And so we have no illusion that this is the magic end-all be-all to discipleship, but it's a place to start. If you don't know how to own your faith, read this and, and start praying. Start reading the Bible. Look at scripture, observation, application. It walks you through some of those core, tangible things. Start there. And if you're thinking, okay, I've got a couple people that I could pour into. I'm not sure where to start. Start on page seven and say, hey, you guys want to get together twice a month. We'll pick a spiritual discipline, maybe fasting. And we'll talk about what is God teaching us as we fast. We'll look at a a passage of scripture together and we'll look at what is God teaching us in and through this. So one of the things that we're going to do to further flesh this out is starting this Wednesday, we're going to have a series of seminars that focus on on prayer, the word, spiritual formation, accountability, and spiritual disciplines. And this is going to be a moment for us as a staff to kind of further uh, flesh out what this is for you and to invite you into this process. And Steve is going to come and kind of uh, talk a little bit more about why would you want to step into one of these seminars? Why would you want to engage with this intentional discipleship process?
0: Yeah, so beginning Wednesday, like Pastor Aaron said, at 6.30 to 7.30, for four weeks we'll be looking at critical pieces of intentional discipleship. So this, this coming Wednesday, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the spiritual formation with you again briefly and then get into prayer. Now, the question I have for all of you is, do you really know how to pray? And I think a lot of times people are more into supplication and asking God than understanding how prayer works. And so maybe you need to know just some basic models or some ways to get started, like the Acts model, you know, the word Acts, adoration, confession. Thanksgiving and supplication. You know, at least you have a way of beginning to, 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 to approach prayer. I've been reading a lot on prayer lately and I'm doing some of this myself um, with this book by Timothy Keller called Prayer. And you look at the ancients like Augustine and you look at Luther and some of these guys, they pray three, four hours a day. And, and, and I thought Luther's uh, write-up on how he prayed was really illuminating. He would take a section of scripture and say he was reading on the greatness of God that day or whatever or that week. He would then take that as his prayer starting point. He would, he would meditate on the greatness of God. He would pray the greatness of God. He would look at that. It would be maybe some 45 minutes exalting God's greatness. Then he would begin to confess, I don't, I, honestly, God, I don't know if I think you're great that much that often. I don't know if I think on you even that much. And he began to really state his true spiritual status before God. And he'd ask, God, change my heart. Change how I approach life. And and so he was using the word as kind of this introduction to significant prayer. And so we're going to talk about how to pray, all right, and and, and really have intentionality in that regard. That'll be next Wednesday, and then Pastor Aaron will go the next week after that.
1: After that, we're going to talk about how to study God's word. And Scripture tells us that his word is living and active But how many of us, when we start to study God's Word, you go, oh, this feels anything but living and active, right? So we want to provide you with some tangible resources, some some things to understand, to really begin to see the beauty of the Word of God and how it applies to our lives.
0: Amen. And then after that, we're going to look at spiritual uh, disciplines. And I I don't know what, when you hear that word discipline, does that make you feel good? Most people think, oh, these are boring, but... We have to know how to use solitude and celebration and meditation and some of these things. Uh, these are like lost nuggets. If if we grab a hold of some of this stuff, it will change how we do life, and how we live out our faith. Um, and then the very last week, we're going to look at accountability. And basically, we're going to ask, how is it with your soul? And how do we ask significant questions? And how do we keep one another co- accountable? Now, as we go through these, these uh, seminars over the next four weeks, Pastor Aaron and I will be teaching part of it. Pastor Steve will be. Pastor Day will be. It'll be several different people, okay, doing this thing, just so you know kind of the format. And uh, we're hoping that this sets a, a great tone for us as a body, that we begin to really understand the benefit of doing these things and how God can use them as an equipping tool in our lives so that we can become tomorrow what we're not yet today, that we can begin to understand what training looks like when it comes to our Christian formation. And really what we're talking about on Aaron's diagram there was that green portion, okay, with all the little squares. We're not going to be able to measure this. We don't care. We just want you to do it, Okay. We want you really to love Jesus and to love those around you. I don't care if we measure a lick of this thing. God knows, Jesus knows, amen, right? And that's what we're all about here, is just so you understand what we're trying to get at. We want the 167 part of your life to be in alignment with Christ. Um, that's enough for today. Are you guys kind of tired? Let's pray, huh? Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for uh, uh, this moment that we can really um, just look at this whole topic of intentionality. And God, I want to pray for everybody here present this morning that First of all, each one of us would be intentional about our own spiritual development, that we would intentionally be reliant upon uh, you, Holy Spirit. And we pray for your empowerment and for your enablement so that we can uh, live the life that Jesus has called us to live. And I pray that we'd be intentionally uh, equipping, that we'd be taking advantage of offerings at the church, but more than that, we become ones that would understand, all oh, there's this equipping, uh, training part of my, uh, my walk that I need to step into, and I pray that each one of us would embrace it and own it. And then, Jesus, I pray that we'd be intentional about your mandate to do life with others, to not only be concerned about our own well-being, but to be concerned about the well-being of those that are in proximity to us. Burden us that way, would you, Lord Jesus? Open our eyes to become aware and care Help us then to understand life a bit from their vantage point, to have listening ears and empathetic spirits, Lord, and then help us to bring Jesus into the situation with clarity. Uh, God, I just pray that you would just enable us to, 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 to model a bit after Paul. And God, I love this spiritual pipeline that we talked about today. Uh, it doesn't do any good if we don't do it. And so I pray for all of us here this morning that there would be this intentional, purposeful stepping into what you'd have for us in this year, 2018, God. Would you just uh, do works in us that we don't even know how to pray for right now and create in us a heart of receptivity and a a heart willing to submit to you and follow hard after you. We love you, Lord Jesus, and, and I know that you love this world. You love the people of this world, and I pray that we too. We have that same kind of heart burden uh, for, for this time and for the places that we find ourselves in. God, just bless the people of Grace Point. Fill them anew with your Holy Spirit, uh, causing us to a joy that's unquenchable. I pray as we go forth from here today, we go forth uh, just very intentionally following after you in the 167 now that follows. God, we love you. And all God's people said, hey, have a great week.